is Power Quest, live from the heart of Brooklyn. Power Quest is an hour-long podcast about everything in and relating to technology with three techno experts. Eric Newman, hi! Wayne Chang, yo! And Keith Whitney, howdy! This episode, this week's episode, still in development. Hello, everybody. Welcome to yet another Polar Quest number 71. My name is Eric Newman, and across from me, returning for a second time, our second date, the lovely Wayne Chang. Hi, Wayne. How are you? I am still alive. Still alive? <laughs> yeah. It's good. I haven't seen you in a while. That's right. I'm, that's why I'm, I said I'm still I'm alive. I'm glad to see you and you don't have gray hair. Uh, I just wanted you to have visual confirmation that I'm still alive. You want to you you can, you touch, can you touch can, my finger with your finger? Can we play the portal song? Just, okay, there we go. Oh, okay. Okay. You're, you're alive. That felt weird. That, but I know. It's good. That confirmed. You're, you're real. I'm still alive. <laughs> yeah. And uh, we have we have a new contributor, of course, over there in the corner. Uh, another person that uh, I met on the street along with Wayne is uh, Mr. Keith Whitney. Hi, how are you doing? I'm doing okay. Just okay? Yeah, just okay. Okay, well, that's the end of the show, so we'll see you all next week. <laughs> there, uh, there are a lot of streets to meet yeah. tech experts on here in Brooklyn. Especially yeah, Eric, in gentrified Brooklyn. In front of a coffee shop. That's in front of coffee shops, yeah, yeah, you know. It's it used people made that joke like twenty years ago. Oh, are you on your on your uh, on your laptop writing your next screenplay? Now it's oh, you're on your laptop writing your next app. Like, and that's basic. Yes, <laughs> basically what these people are doing. Um, yeah. Anyway, uh, we're this episode number seventy one is still in development because we're still refactoring the show. It was a great term you coined last uh, last episode, Wayne. Um, it's not an original term. Okay, it's been around you. for decades. <laughs> and uh, we wanted to uh, we wanted to do an episode about refactoring, uh, but the the show itself is still very. It's like I said last time. It's like we have we built a car, we didn't like how it drove, so now we're taking the car apart and we're finding out how we can build a better car with perhaps better tools. And you guys are two really good tools. So, with that said, let's dive right in. You just call we're, us we're gonna tools. Iterate. <laughs> uh, yes. Um, let's dive right in. One thing I want to talk about right away are uh, Redux Sagas. This is something in the never-ending quest to learn master JavaScript. I've been writing JavaScript since... 1999, 2000s, like DHTML stuff, and still yet in 2018, the uh, ability for me to learn new stuff is at a slower rate than people cranking out new versions or new paradigms, new ways of doing the same. Another S word that I would like to not say on the show. Um, and Redux Sagas is one of them because it, it's another way of doing what had previously been, I thought was pretty new, Redux Thunk which is a way of handling asynchronously uh, dispatching actions inside of a Redux, uh, inside of your Redux state or Redux store, an app. Um, and Redux sagas are a different interpretation of that. The syntax is completely different. Uh, and uh, it does basically the same thing. So, Keith, why? Why? Why Redux saga? Why can't we just keep using... Thunk. I mean, I and guess, what is Thunk, I, by the way, for our, our new listeners? So it's a way to handle side effects. Well, I keep seeing that side effect. What is a side effect of an app? So basically, any any operation that is impure. So if you have a function, you give it input. It has outputs. Right. A pure function doesn't mutate anything along the way. As in, every time you give it the same input, it exactly. will return the same output. Yep. Yes. So uh, Thunks give you a way to do that. 
and it's mostly used for asynchronous effects. Like right? I mentioned, so, yeah. Yeah. So um, everything that goes through Redux is synchronous. And then Thunks let you do async. asynchronous stuff. Yeah, but it uses, well, you, but it uses you promises. To, well, I mean, you used to do that Promises, before. callbacks? Yeah. Yeah, prom, no, it's promise-based. Okay, yeah. Uh, but... The, the, but you used to be able to do that before without, you know, with regular Redux in a, in a less clean way. I, I know that the, 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 especially with ES6, the syntax for doing uh, thunks and Redux is, is kind of nice once you understand what it's doing with the double and triple currying. But, um, like, I, I, I don't know. Why, why, couldn't you, why couldn't we just be happy with regular Redux? I think um, sagas make it a little bit easier to work with. Well, I mean, but even like thunks, like why couldn't like why is I guess it's just a let it wasn't an elegantly. I don't think you could do anything async with. Yeah. With I Redux, think so I don't think so because well, it was it was you've got your reducers. State comes in, state comes out. You can't really do anything else. But there. you can. But you can send out another. As the result of a uh, an AJAX request or response, you can send out another action. That has the payload of the AJAX request, and that says like you know API return true, and then that would be fed into the reducer, and then you would have a previous action that says you know fetch API request, and when the reducer ignores the first one, but then when it gets the second one, since all the reducers run every time, it'll do that, especially when you crowbar some kind of uh, light uh, uh, web or HTTP tool like Axios, which I. I Found is pretty popular. Well, how would this? So I'm not a front end person, but I've looked at parts of uh, Redux. I've seen them. There have uh, there be watchers or subscribers on the Redux store. Uh, how would that then differ? I think that that is uh, it's middleware, that, right? It is. Yeah. yeah. Well, also sagas have watcher sagas. Uh, there's a there's quite a few new functions. Take or methods. Take latest. Yeah. Worker saga. What uh, what's what's a watcher saga? I don't know exactly what a watcher saga is. Well, here it's a uh, it's a saga that watches for an action to be dispatched to the store, triggering then a worker saga, which uses another Redux saga helper function called call and stores the result in a prom or is a resolved or failed promise in a response variable. Yeah, and and Redux sagas are based off of uh, or or use uh, ES6 generators. Yes. Rather so, than just the uh, rather than just like async await. Yeah. Um so it's it's closer to async await cuz async await is essentially built on generators. And I think it's a nicer syntax than uh, than using thunks. You know, you're not dealing with promises, you're not in your callback hell. So uh, with the thunks, you're are you calling those callbacks? It calls yeah, it, it calls. It, 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 it well it it dispatches an action for you based on the response that you get, based on what the generator yields. I, th- I think, I've read about this for like half a day. And I, I'm, I'm trying to, I, I, I'm pretty sure, that's why I'm asking you guys, because... Well, the, there would have to be, so if you have a, a promise, something has to call that callback, right? Once the action is complete, um, with sagas, do you? But with the, generators, the function pauses in execution right. until it yields something else. Right. So, are you writing the generator in that respect? You are yes. writing the generators, okay. and you could chain them together. You and could, those are the sagas. Basically. So yeah, that would be the cleaner part to deal with. Yeah, it, yes. it it reads a little easier, more like imperative. Yeah. Um. Okay. Well, that's enough. Uh, do you a, just iterate over sagas? I guess you. 
could. Generally, you have one saga that's composed of other sagas. Okay. So in that saga, you're forking other sagas. And what do you or, mean by forking or composing? Well, composing, you're just, you've got other sagas inside of another saga. So you're wrapping sagas. So oh, okay. sagas can contain each other. I got you. Um, is that like a, in the decorator way? Or is it just a wrapped with mul- you know, multiple um, different sagas? Multiple different sagas. So you can, you, can, you can fork in a few different ways. Okay. Uh, I think the Take Every actually implements or uses fork under the hood. But you can say, okay, take every Redux action type that matches this type. So that would be a point in which you would could have potential code smells if they're not behaviorally similar or if it makes sense to wrap right, them together. Right, but I think it's more it's the same functionality. It's just being abstracted away. I see. Because you're still you still have to deal with you still have to deal with promises. You still have to deal with uh, actions and actions. Yeah, it is hidden it just, under the hood. That it just kind of it makes it easier and it makes the 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 logic a lot the the logic that that you have to write as a developer a lot cleaner because you it'll take care of it you know it's i guess it's like they found a common pattern the way that people were using redux thunk so they refactored that into another way that makes it easier to use if you're going to do that same pattern which is a part of the reason why this episode is called refactoring that's right and that sound you heard is our wonderful studio audience we keep them in a tupperware container during the week and we take them out on uh, friday today just for us and it is a pretty muggy hot friday for december 60 degrees. What happened? We had snow in November, and now it's like Florida winter in December. It's global warming. Why was it colder last month? Last year at this time, we had the first day of winter. You remember, it was two weeks solid of below freezing. It rained so much, my roof started leaking. It's going to start leaking <laughs> I, I don't here, think you're too. The only Look, one. There's the garbage yeah. bag over my oh, guitar amp. Yeah. You can see the water stain under the piece of spackle. Oh, it's going to, there's like a vent. Remember last time you were here, it was also yeah. raining. Maybe, Wayne, it only rains. When you cry. Anyway. (laughs) Let's uh, get my iPad here. And this is like a continual process of ergonomics. You'd think by 71 shows I'd have something kind of down pat with all of the fake studio stuff I have in here. But yet, I don't. Um, Why don't we dive into some light tech news? Here's one. <laughs> As I have to pull it up. Uh, porn watching employee infected government networks with Russian malware, says Inspector General. Government, this is back from October, but we weren't, we didn't report it then. Government auditors traced a malware infection back to a single porn watching employee within the US Geological Survey. Oof. Don't watch porn on your work computers. Well, why don't they have infrastructure that protects against that? You can't control they probably people's use behavior. The government, they should. There's always they gonna... absolutely have a firewall, but I'm sure you could use Tor or something, right? There's always going to be a person who watches pornography. So Maybe you... he brought it in from home. They on should... a USB stick. Yeah. yeah. Well, they should and plug it into USB a government ports. computer, which that shouldn't be allowed to happen. Yeah, yet. but you know it does. They're you, probably just a bunch of Dells. You can disable USB ports in the firmware, in the BIOS. You can, but what? I don't know. But I need, like at the at the USG, the US, the USGS, US Geological Survey people. They're, they seem nice if, and if trusting. You, if you work at a place... They make those relief maps. Like, I mean, that's no, what what kind of... that doesn't. They're not causing any trouble. Why, except why would that you guy, do this at work? Sometimes it gets lonely. 
I, I sympathize with this individual. <laughs> but You're going to have to elaborate on they, that. They really need to disable USB ports and have intrusion detection systems to re really make sure they're not getting affected by malware. You can't expect someone not to look at pornography. At work? Like I said, maybe he was working from home. It's better when you get paid for it. <laughs> That's right. Anyway, uh, the agency's inspector general traced the malicious software to a single unnamed USGS employee who was reportedly used a government-issued computer to visit some 9,000, mm. 9,000, Wayne, I think they might have beat you, uh, video, adult video sites, according to a report published on the 17th of October. That's Many of the prohibited pages were linked to Russian websites containing malware, which was unfortunately downloaded to the employee's computer and used to infiltrate the USGS networks. They, they shouldn't fire him. 9,000 sites, that means that person's pretty resourceful. I know, like, two, and they're on the top 100 Alexa websites. <laughs> Those are probably firewall. He, you know, if you know 9,000 sites, I'm he sure they, they're not on the blacklist. They know 9,000. Yeah, that's really resourceful. He should be promoted, I think. And maybe it's, you know, also Googling for those, or ser searching for those terms in other languages might be a way around the firewall. Anyway, uh, not that I do that. Uh, Netflix will keep friends because there's not enough ways to watch that stupid show in a hundred million dollar agreement even though i bet just like with seinfeld some there's some television network somewhere in the world right now that's playing friends and netflix is paying a hundred dollars so you can watch it on their platform why hundred million dollars that's a lot of money for friends that's a significant jump from the 30 million a year that netflix had paid previously to stream the show I hope that the actors are involved with the back end in that, because that's... You know, we haven't seen David Schwimmer in a while, and he doesn't have to do anything. My girlfriend will appreciate this, though. She loves Friends. Why? I never got into it. I, I started watching some episodes. I actually thought it was pretty good. Was it? Yeah. It wasn't bad at all. I don't you know. you got to give it a chance. It's like, like, it's, it's like Frasier. I like Frasier. I, I love Cheers. I but enjoy I don't like Friends. Friends, because it shows See? people having a social network a that time. I don't have. And an apartment in New York that they can't afford. It would be nice to have people you could actually talk to on a day-to-day -day basis. And well, you know, if you if you left your house on a day-to-day -day basis, well, you'd find more people to I'm talk to. I'm not going to do that. I'd rather live vicariously through my Netflix subscription and watch Friends instead, which is available. <laughs> I'll, tell you, I'll tell you this. I totally empathize with you because a few months ago I was going through a, a really bad anxiety situation. And mm -hmm. I just started watching Monk. And I was like, well, you know what? I'm at least not as bad as this guy. I just know I'm never going to be able to realistically tolerate a friend like Joey in real <laughs> How life. How you doing? <laughs> oh, hey, on the show, you he's know, great. I don't think they make people like that anymore. Oh, I guess Pete Davidson, he's probably... He's, he's Italian from Staten Island. Italian. Anyway, Italian. Uh, yes, anyway, moving on. Uh, what else is it? What else? Oh, uh... I got I got let out from Facebook jail. That's nice. I, I am, how, how long were you? I am, were I am, you am now banned? a Facebook jail recidivist. I've been in Facebook jail twice. What do they actually call it, jail, or is it just no? But you're straight people, up banned. It's 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 your banned. What sucks is that uh, you can it's read access, uh, but the worst part is that you can't use Messenger. So I use Messenger a lot more than I use Facebook. And uh, especially since AIM doesn't exist anymore. That's a weird Wait, punishment. Is it read access for Messenger too? Yeah. Oh, that's that's a really And there's some people torturous. that I don't have their phone number because it's 2018, almost 2019. And I just talk to them on Messenger, then I get banned. Of course, 
if I weren't posting the things that were so inflammatory, I guess, like wishing my Jewish friend who lives in Berlin a happy birthday with an Adolf Hitler rave gif. That's let's a really... Let's party like Uncle Adolf in 1939. I've been to all the Holocaust museums. I'm Jewish. I've been to Israel. My There's someone with my name that helped author Hitler's five-year plan. I believe I should be able... He's a gay Jew in Germany. I should. This should not be hate speech. Facebook banned you? For a at, month. At and eight... that was, by the way, that that I got unbanned in November. And then within four days, I was banned again. But that post was from August. But they but, penalized you in a way that they couldn't read your data because you well, can't well, use Facebook. You would think a like no, they can because I can you I can read, but I can't but you react can't write. or write. Yeah, but you can't. They can't read what you're yeah, writing but they can in Messenger still use those, because uh, you can't write voice hooks and stuff to get adver advertising. Once They've they limited the data they can collect by punishing you. That's a weird thing. They should expect it should be the reverse. It should be. You're, you're in Facebook jail. Uh, you get more access than everyone else. You, please use Facebook more, <laughs> and we'll have more data to collect from you. It's kind of uh, ass backwards. Yes, well. I'm just stuck on the fact that you got banned twice yeah. in four days. Yeah, and That's I'm impressive. not even Alex Jones. I wish. I'll get a beer with him sometime. I was banned before it was cool. I got banned before he did. I have no sympathy for him. Just like I, I, I cause the first thing, the first thing that I that got me banned, I caused. I'll take that. Even though I'll, I'm not going to say what it is, but it is a logical truth. It was terrible. The, the sentence that I said. It's not a good sentence, but it's logically true, and I think that an ass perjury geek like myself or Mark Zuckerberg has to acknowledge the. Logicity is that a word? Logistically, logisticity in it of it that yeah, it sucks, but it's the truth. So technically, it's not hate speech because it's true. I don't think the person making minimum wage to it's review these things really it's gives a, a crap. And you know what doesn't? And and stuff I report. Maybe it's because I've been banned. They don't look at what I report. Stuff I report doesn't doesn't. It comes back fine. Zionists belong in camps. That came back. Facebook's reviewed this. It's totally fine against our community standards. But me wishing a gay Jew happy birthday for the Hitler rape gif. No. I think you're on a list. The Facebook list. On a list. Okay. Um, and and part of that is a talk about a broader a broader talk about free speech. Uh, one one thing that I always like to talk, uh, always try to stay conscious of. Maybe I should put the uh, music down. One thing I always try to stay conscious of is the attack on free speech in the 21st century. Private companies have no obligation to honor the First Amendment; it only restricts what government can do. That's why Facebook can. That's why what happened to Alex Jones. It's 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 like. It sucks in terms of, you know, what happened, but I, it's, it's totally legal and their right to do it. Because of that, as, uh, as hate speech rules become more pernicious, and as companies keep aggregating into bigger companies with more power, they can just shut you off with a couple flips of a switch if you cross a line. And that's one of the reasons why I continue to highlight free speech on this podcast, because I'll probably be, I'm the canary in the coal mine. Anyway... You once you lose me, you'll miss it. 
I think. That, that's the whole point. I would start a site like that to be able to arbitrarily ban people for saying stuff I don't like. I mean, but there's people like, you know, there's services like Patreon that are banning people because they have conservative-leaning content. They call that hate speech. They, I mean, it's you know, up to the terms of use of the service. It's up to them. I'll respect their free enterprise. But I think it's just effing ridiculous. I'm I can sorry. get bullied to become an adult and treat people equally in that respect. Yeah, well, yeah. I don't know what to say other than PETA is now jumping in this fight, comparing age-old sayings like be the guinea pig and beat a dead horse to racist or ho and homophobic slurs. The Animal Rights Organization for People and Ethical Treatment of Animals is calling for the rewrite of common animal cruelty-based idioms. Mm, no. Instead of kill two birds with one stone, say, feed two birds with one scone, except that my birds are gluten-free. Uh, instead of be a guinea pig, be the test tube. I feel like that sounds much more phallic. Uh, beat a dead horse, feed a fed horse. I, how about eat a dead horse? Feed a fed horse? Feed a why fed would he, horse. Why would he eat anything? Why would you beat a dead horse? How would? Yeah, why would you it's feed? It's to say, why would you well, do yeah, either okay, of them? Yeah. Well, there are a lot of reasons for that. They're all sadistic. Bring home, yeah, bring home the bacon. Why would Instead you... of bring home the bacon, say, bring home the bagels. Except that bagels, A, have gluten, B, require eggs, which are an animal product. So, they lose. Uh, take the bull by the horns, take the flower by the thorns. Thank you, PETA. I don't like any of these. I'd... Nobody likes PETA. I'd rather get two They're birds just as bad stoned as, at uh... once. Oh, <laughs> okay, Ricky. Um, <laughs> uh, more, more uh, what is it? What's actually... Uh, bigger issue than PETA are, is Tumblr. They announced that they're making changes to their algorithm to identify hate speech, so then I'll be, I'm not on Tumblr. Um, but they said they don't want to allow adult content because there is a lot of porn on Tumblr and there uh, has been reports of child pornography on it. And because of that, and I believe they're owned by Verizon? Yahoo. They, and they're owned by Yahoo. Oh, that's what it is. They're owned by Yahoo, but Verizon doesn't want to place ads on Tumblr because of this issue. Now, it's interesting because there's no good solution and i'll tell you why so a uh their algorithm is imprecise it's flagging things like uh raw chicken um your photo was flagged you very, can see that very hot um do people still use winter tumblr? boots i'm sorry do people still use tumblr yes a lot of people especially younger millennials still use tumblr uh it's uh here's a list of things that also got flagged a fully clothed woman a drawing of a dragon Fan art of characters from the anime Haiku. Oh, that's a good anime. It's about volleyball. <laughs> art, art from the children's book, The Princess Who Saved Herself, that the author of the book posted, and a drawing of the, a ball of fruit with mouths, a video abstract blurs, Garfield. What? That's confusing. This is, this is a, oh, they didn't say and Garfield. Garfield's been banned from Tumblr. Identified as... Adult content. That's great. Do you, do you think it would ban? Remember those the Google Dream image generation thing? Oh, Whatever those that, are crazy. Yeah, I wonder if it would ban anything that looked. This is banned. That's banned. That's ban your photos. Your photos been flagged. I feel bad for Gar the software field on steroids. I feel bad for the engineer who had to do this as yeah, like but the they agreed to thing. it. It's no. It's they, the the better question is how many? What is the carbon footprint of preventing people from getting offended? And how much of that is affecting global warming? Because that's one thing that we could definitely save on. Because here's, check this out. Tumblr is now shaming every woman 
that found their sexuality on the platform. Some people are saying that Tumblr is specifically targeting women by banning porn. It's not, definitely not, how can I make this about me? But of course it is. By banning adult content, Tumblr is saying, hey women, the content that you found sexually freeing is wrong. It doesn't belong here, and you should go find it somewhere else. We don't care if we're taking away your community. Sex workers are also concerned about the impact on their lives as well. Yeah, there's no way, so there's no way out. They should just charge for porn. Yeah, they could make a paid Tumblr site. I mean, they already, if, if you get non-safe for work content, there's already like, uh, It would you know, probably you make more in. than the advertising. It probably would. Probably would. Yes, and uh, with that, why don't we jump into some local news ah! with our, where did I put it? I moved it. I moved it after 70 episodes. Now I have no idea where it is. How sad is that? What happened to it? Well, okay. <clears throat> Take two. Like I said, we're live to tape. Uh, let's move into some local news with our New York Minute. Where we take a look at your five boroughs. First up, all the people in Brooklyn who walk on the streets are guilty of cultural appropriation. Because the streets of Brooklyn are modeled after ancient Native American trails. So by walking the streets, especially in Williamsburg, all you Williamsburg babies, and me too in Bushwick, uh, yeah. Some of the trails that exist today are major, major thoroughfares, like Fulton Street, Flatbush Avenue, and part of Atlantic Avenue. None of those are in Williamsburg. Another Native American trail heads straight down what's currently Division Avenue in Williamsburg. That's, of course, the street that separates the Hasidim from the gentrifiers. Um, that's true. And, yeah. And I like maps. That's why. You really, you really do like maps. I really do like maps. Um, moving on. Uh, MTA's hiking the fare again to two seventy-five or $3. But the trains, of course, aren't getting any better, and they have a $1 billion budget deficit looming three years from now. Even though I remember them previously saying that they weren't going to bust. Oh, and they say it's because of a $215 million shortfall because of fare evasion on subways and buses. I remember a few months ago when they said that they were not going to prosecute fare beaters because of some kind of, like, socioeconomic classism that requiring people to pay a fare to use a municipal utility is based on and now they're saying oh, now oh no now we're out of a ton of money this is one of those tough issues where it's uh, if i recall it's, it's roughly 270 ish million dollars in fare beating um it's one I said of 215 215 oh okay uh, it's one of those numbers where you can't really disregard it even well, then why did they say, why did they piously say, oh, you know, it's it's okay because the people you know who can't afford it are just, just can still use the subway, right? Well, it even though there are low income but, uh, but that metro is, cards, that's the actual truth. But no, but there are low income metro cards. Yeah, but because politics are in play, you can't say, oh, well, I, you know, that two hundred fifteen million dollars isn't important because the reality is there's all this poverty. And those are fares we could have never collected and so forth. It's politically, um, you go, they would just tell you, oh, well, this person doesn't care about fare beating. He doesn't think $215 million is a lot of money. So you're kind of boxed in to what you can do. And it's really, it's a really horrible fare. Yeah. Uh, British, 
president of the MTA, Andy Byford, said it's quite striking that that change in policy has led to a remarkably coincidental rise in fair evasion. Oh, I see. There's, and that's that's what he's citing. Uh, the decision last February to no longer prosecute criminal arrest for fair beating. Regardless of what that intent was, I think people heard that there would be less of a penalty, and that has led to more fair evasion. Since 2015, the amount of uncollected fares has gone up by $110 million. And according to the MCA, there are about 210,000 fare beaters on buses, 109,000 on subways in 2013, compared with the 348,000 fare beaters on buses, or 208,000 on subways so far this year. Now the question is, if they're beating the fare, how do they know how many people are doing it? They have people sit there and watch them beat the fare, and they record They're cops, it. and they get arrested. Well, or no, cameras. They're and just... Usually, you'll see people who aren't cops, and they just have a, a clipboard, and they record numbers. That's literally how they do it. Have, how do you evade a, a fare on a bus? How do you get past the bus driver? You don't. You go in the back. You go through the back. Oh, assuming there's two. Yeah, okay. you go through the back, or you just ignore them, and you just continue walking. That's what we used to do in the Bronx. There was uh, someone that uh, asked to be picked up who started, they said, tearing the bus apart, which I don't think is physically possible. He, like, ripped off a side mirror. And they're like, he started to tear the bus apart because the driver didn't let him up. And the marquee on the bus said, call police. (laughs) (laughs) Emergency. Like, why don't you call the police? You're inside. The doors are locked. Yeah, there are express buses now, too, where you just buy... You buy the ticket up front. Yeah. But so yeah, you metro cards for, bus, for buses. Uh, speaking of the Bronx, there was a woman uh, in the Bronx who on the bus was slashing people who tried to pet her cute dog. Wow. What do you think about that, Wayne? Uh, well, as long as she paid the fare for her dog, it'd be okay, I think. The incident was reported on the on an MCA bus near East 149th Street and Morris Avenue in the Melrose section around 2.30 p.m. on Monday. Midday Monday? Wow. Well, she paid the fare for the dog. I, I, Someone I, got slashed in the face. Yeah. For well, petting did, a dog. Did they pay their fare? <laughs> yes, uh, if they're on the bus. Well, Do you have well, to pay to pet a dog? Well, we just said that a lot of people are fare beating. If they're fare beating and they got beat up by a woman who paid for herself <laughs> and the dog, I, you know, we're really getting into this ethically gray area of whether or not it's okay to slash the person. I think the dog should have did the slashing. Yeah, if the dog the, did the true. slashing, that would have implied that's con- non-consent. It would have been a, fine. Yeah, so. depending about how adorable the dog is, it's okay. Yes. Yeah. he just stabbed me in the face. Yes, and the lust to uh, complain about people and put their lives online. There's another one from I think last week. Someone from South Brooklyn, some blonde, rich-looking woman. Uh, I shouldn't say that, but that's what she She's even wearing glasses on the train with the bleached blonde platinum hair. I mean, come on. Can you pronounce her name? Uh, Anna Lushchinskaya. Perfect. L- 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 Lushchinskaya. Lushchinskaya. There you go. Does Anna, it say her profession? I don't know. But she uh, was verbally assaulting a young Asian woman in a racist attack a couple uh, last, last week. And it was captured on video. But the thing is, is it, it's not just that. It's that they've captured, they've worn this woman down in a very long article about just one tirade that happens in one, with, between two people on one train in the middle of the day. I mean, you could see that any day, any on day, the E-train, anywhere. 5 p.m. 
Well, this yeah. woman was also a repeat offender. She was. Oh yeah, she had misdemeanors in the past. Yeah, oh, she okay. pepper sprayed a couple again on that same train line. And she also used racial epithets against the Asian person and then uh, a Dominican person calling them Muslims, uh, calling them uh. one of the names of the terrorist, the 9-11 bombers. Wow. Yeah. And that guy got his own spread on the Daily News last week. I can't, I, like that, Start I feel like while it's terrible, why is that a huge, huge news story? We're just, we need that much uh, content. That's the kind of political climate for I him. want to Yes. All right. Let's uh, move on here. Um, you know what? I actually don't have an app because I don't think they've done anything worse. Right through I don't the think. very This is the first week in like New in York, many months that I haven't had. That's not good. I don't think they've done anything wrong. You want Apple Attack? Wait, you know what? No, I can always that doesn't sleep. I can always complain. Especially I can, I can complain about Whoa. Mac OS. I can always complain, especially when it's about Apple. So you know what? Let's do an Apple Attack anyway. First up, the adapter hell that we live in in, in 2018. This I, I I I remember complaining about it in 2013 when I got this computer, my Retina. And I complained about not having an Ethernet port then. My new iPhone that I had to get, unfortunately. I had to get it. Um, doesn't have a headphone port, of course, and so I had to buy an adapter to, to listen to my now discontinued headphones. But the adapter doesn't work in the cold. So, and when wow. I say the cold, I mean like under 40 degrees or under 45 degrees. Like the electrons just don't want to flow. Well, it's a small connector and it's all in metal, so it conducts heat very easily. And it's outside of the housing of the phone, which would have warmed it up. So, like, I have to, so, like, you're walking along, and all of a sudden, you just, stop. Apple's telling you to get your priorities into place. I even bought it's an Apple cold. adapter, which, when you wiggled the adapter, you would hear, like, packet loss in the audio. If it's under 40 degrees, they're telling you, you should go seek shelter, warmer shelter. Take That's... care of yourself before you listen to music. If, if the phone is in, my, is in my pocket and my body heat isn't enough to heat up the adapter so I can listen to music, there's something wrong. Of course, the solution is buy wireless headphones, well, but none of them either fit or sound Maybe they're good. telling you you're listening to the wrong genre of music. If you're listening to some metal, it would really heat up quickly enough. Oh, okay. I don't know. These, these are really subtle suggestions Apple makes. Yeah. I'm, I'm really impressed by this, actually. But that's, uh, you know, that's uh, part of being from California, I guess. Yeah, there's nothing. There's nothing else other, other than just just that. I had a dream a couple nights ago where I got so frustrated with my phone, I just bent it in half and I watched the screen break. I'm I go no. I don't mind the phones. I think the phones are actually pretty damn good. And I, if I could just listen to music, that's it. They took the headphone adapter away from the iPad. This now old iPad. If I got the new one, I couldn't do the show without another adapter. That's gonna have another problem. What if the D to A converter has a memory leak or something? That, like, Apple's lightning cables run iOS. There's, like, a mini, tiny computer inside of the connector. It's way too complicated. I think it's great that they make sure that adapters still have jobs. They really care about adapters. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The unemployment rate on adapters People is really low. don't think about adapters as a, as a living being. Can we, can we talk about how long you think it'll be before people start abandoning devs, start abandoning Macs and Mac OS? Uh, one to three more years. Yeah. 
I but think then so. What, what's going to replace it? You know, uh, the, I mean, Linux is, is having a resurgence right it now, is. and a lot of people who are a lot of people who aren't fanboys like I am have less of a have less of a connection to Apple and their computers, and I think that they'd be easier to jump over to Ubuntu, like a System 76 laptop running Ubuntu, or like a ThinkPad running Ubuntu, something like that. Yeah. Uh, especially if they're doing development. I mean, also remember, Windows these days has Linux subsystem that apparently works pretty well. Uh, so it's not, they're closing the gap, but the one thing that Windows does is not a Windows wash. Get it, Windows? Not a Windows wash, but uh, uh, they can't render text properly. Text always looks awful on Windows, and I finally figured out why after many, many months. I think I actually talked about it on the podcast earlier, weeks ago. But basically, Apple has their own algorithm for displaying text on the screen. They ignore all of the hinting in the font, and they do it their own way, which kind of dates back to like Steve Jobs taking a calligraphy class in college. And they've always been really good and really focused on text. And Windows uh, sticks to a pixel grid for all of the fonts and all of the ligatures and all of this. So, it, it, meaning that if something is kind of, I mean, it, it, it makes things, it's not as well alias. The, just, it's more jagged by default because it's sticking to a pixel grid rather than using something which now is available sub-pixel rendering and better anti-aliasing methods. I mean, look, I have a Hackintosh here. If I flip it over the window, you can pull up a yeah, virtual machine with windows great. on it, yeah. you can see the difference. You're better off just going to pure bitmap fonts. No! Yeah. That's like 1992 all over again. That's actually what I use. Bitmap fonts? No. Yeah, I vector. Use, you need vector everything. I use a 13, 13 pixel bitmap font. Perfect. Maybe for Vim. Yes. But, um, yeah. But, I mean, what's going to replace the hardware? What's the, you know? What hardware? It's an Intel motherboard with an Intel processor in RAM that is soldered on and an SSD that's soldered on. The form factor is nice. I mean, nobody can really compare it to the hardware, to the build quality. No. But I am getting to the point where I, 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 the, the, the awfulness of using their new computers is making me care less about how well they're built if I can find a computer that perhaps isn't built as well, but is better to use. Mostly, namely the keyboard. Keyboard and the touch bar. Two biggest mistakes that they made. Wayne, Wayne got me turned on to ThinkPads, and I picked up yeah, an older one. Yeah, but they spyware on them. No. I no. mean, I, Lenovo, I, that, yeah. That's the Lenovo line. The ThinkPad line doesn't really have spyware. Oh, okay. The, that consumer line is... Can it run Mac OS? No. You can do Hackintosh stuff on, like, an X220. Yeah, but it's not really worth it. It's not worth the effort. Just, just, run, just use Linux. Well, yeah. And surprisingly, Speaking so much faster. Speaking of bitmap fonts, I mean, I have this Macintosh Performer right over there. Turn that on. I'll have to check it out later. It runs OS 9. I think if I were um, to use Windows, I would just get a Surface or something. I saw it when I was going down to Baltimore for Thanksgiving. I saw someone on the train with the Surface, and I asked him why. And he said it's actually a good computer. And it doesn't look too shabby these days, either. No. I heard there were hardware problems, though. Like, they're always on Microsoft product. All right, and that's been our kind of Apple attack. Yeah. Okay. Moving on. Um, there's a segment that we haven't done in a long time that I, uh, I always enjoy doing. It kind of hinges on, on the free speech stuff uh, that we do, and it's called Theresa May Mothers the Internet! But it's coming, this time, it's coming from one of her former colonies, Australia. And it's about Australia's new anti-encryption law. Uh, let's take it away from this nice presenter. 
Hello, I'm from the Australian government. Do you have something to hide? Nah, just kidding. We're not some fascist regime. <laughs> Seriously though, do you? Unfortunately, encryption makes it hard for us to spy on you these days. So just to make sure, we're introducing yet another law to expand the surveillance state. Introducing the Assistance and Access Bill, or Ask Access, for short. Oh, relax. Despite how it sounds, we're not trying to access your data through your back door. We're just after the keys to your front door. Yep, Ask Access will force tech companies to do our dirty work for us. For example, by making them insert a little secret source in their apps, which lets us access your device once you download the latest update. And if they refuse, we'll find the shit out of them. Ask Access. It doesn't break encryption, only your trust in your favourite apps. To bring you Ask Access, we've taken the UK's fascist spying law and made it even more fascist by removing any need for judicial oversight. But don't worry, we promise to only spy on you if reasonable and proportionate. And you know you can trust us. We're the same cunts who doxed a welfare recipient for criticising us, who are prosecuting a whistleblower for exposing our misconduct, who throw kids in concentration camps for seeking asylum, and prosecute the journalists who report on them, and who gave half a billion of your tax dollars to a foundation full of our friends. So of course you can count on us to be reasonable and proportionate. And if we're not, well, you'll never hear about it. Because we've also introduced a 10-year jail sentence for any Snowden wannabes who disclose our abuse of arse access. Arse access. Brought to you by Australia, where the laws of dickheads can't trump the laws of math, but they can trample human rights. Which is why to test this shit fuckery, we chose Australia, the weakest of the Five Eyes Alliance, thanks to our lack of a Bill of Rights. So international data requests will now be funnelled through us, compromising not just Aussies, but all of you fuckers too. You're welcome. We'd love to know what you think of Arse Access, so we've set up a public submission system where, for a limited time, you can protest our next step towards a fucked up dystopia. Australian government. Relax, we're not after your dick pics, just the last shreds of your civil liberties. Authorised by the Department of Home or Pairs. What did we just watch? That's <coughs> the best breakdown of Australia's new anti-encryption law that I've found. Uh, excuse the profanity. I totally forgot about, forgot about that, but it's it honest. Was, it was very Australian. Yeah. Uh, and uh, that's the most interesting thing to take away from that, while you can write off a country that's at the end of the world, is the fact that because of the Five Eyes Alliance, because of the Five what Eyes Alliance, data can move across all these countries pretty willy-nilly. And, uh, yeah. And it sucks. So that means that they'll be able... The U.S. government will be able to use this law to proxy requests against us without breaking the Constitution because it's not them doing it. It's Australia doing it with some kind of multinational data sharing agreement that we all have because we're former Commonwealth and current Commonwealth countries. Isn't that great? It is great. How is this even going to be implemented? You remember the backdoors and Windows 95 and the whole trusted computing platform stuff? And or in, is it already DRM. implemented? Well, that that's a whole so different question. That's that's like how there are two Diffie-Hellman elliptic curve algorithms, and one of them was made in conjunction with the NSA, and I think the other one, ECC DSA, uh, was not. And so people don't trust the other one because of, of that. Of course not. Um, so that's. Yeah, the question you're asking is more really being able to prove 
that there wasn't you know some something already built into that that's really harder to prove but uh, in terms of the implementation here it's is it as simple as writing a backdoor or is it they're giving the private keys that are generated you know oh. right yeah uh, that would but then you have a chain of custody with how private keys are transferred so it is a little more trackable in that sense um, not that I promote, condone any of this, but it, it it's really important, right? Because one is less likely to be used maliciously by by hackers. Uh, how how they actually do this backdoor? Not that they should, and um, it's also significantly misguided for them to do this. But it's Australia. I don't really know uh, how long they even had internet. Well, I mean, <laughs> I, I, yeah. <laughs> Well, I mean, they are a penal colony. So I, I know use... any, everything on Amazon Australia is very expensive, so I don't think anyone it's uses the internet because it has to be shipped there. across yeah. the world. Yeah, I don't think anyone uses the internet. Ironically, we get a lot of meat from New Zealand. Yeah, what like kind? all that grass-fed beef. Uh, a lot of that comes from New Zealand. I don't know why, why we can't do that here. Anyway, uh, speaking of stealing your data, let's talk about a bunch of uh, Facebook F-ups. <laughs> Facebook allowed Microsoft's Bing search engine to see the names of virtually every Facebook user's friends without their consent, and gave Netflix and, and Netflix and Spotify the ability to read Facebook users' private messages. Now, on the messages side of things, they had to allow Facebook to use permission to let them use messaging in the app. So Facebook did the right thing. They asked for permission because you have to, you need like an OAuth authentic token to get from Spotify to Facebook. Facebook asked for the permissions, people gave it, Spotify then read all their data and assimilated it into their giant database and then tried to monetize it. That's not that unethical. I don't think. I feel bad for the software engineer who screwed this up. Who screwed what up? This is, this is how it's supposed to work. To not clearly separate the permissioning in that respect. Well. I, I, a lot of those things I feel like are are features that are not super well specced out that a software engineer naively implemented or may have even asked about and they said, don't worry about it, just get the feature <laughs> out. And then this happens and they go, The sprint's oh. ending. I don't yeah. think so because remember, uh, the former director of the FBI, Mr. Mueller was found just casually hanging out around Facebook's offices about 10 years ago or 12 years ago. They've definitely put a lot of thought into this. But I'm not saying you're wrong. Uh, by the way, the social network permitted Amazon to obtain users' names and contact information through their friends. Uh, I don't know how you connect Facebook to Amazon, actually. Do you how to do that? Is there a Facebook lo login I don't, through Amazon? I don't know. I've never seen it. I don't know. It let Yahoo view streams of friends' posts as recently as this summer, despite public statements that it had stopped that type of sharing years prior. Well, if they use Yahoo, the person's already technically Dead. misguided, so <laughs> they've already... They probably have other issues, like, you know, not pasting their social security number to everyone on the internet. Yes, and Facebook has been reeling in a series of privacy scandals set off by revelations in March from Cambridge Analytica, uh, that they improperly used Facebook data to build tools that aided Cheeto Jesus's campaign. Acknowledging that it, they had breached users' trust, Facebook insisted that they had instituted stricter privacy protections long ago, but of course they were lying because of this happening. How, how did they find out? 
Uh, this is a bombshell report from the New York Times. Did they notice that Internal documents show that the social network gave Microsoft, Amazon, Spotify, and others far greater access to people's data than it disclosed. Did they notice on Spotify it was recommending them better music? Spotify I don't like because it keeps uh, signing. Like when I, I don't like being connected to uh, Facebook when I'm on Spotify. And what happens is it still reconnects me. After a while, you can do a private browsing session. I've never that been lasts for like six hours. I can show you right now. Oh well, I don't have that problem because and I, that still works if you're bad, by the way. <laughs> I've connected my Facebook account. So they're still getting data from me, by the way. Yeah, but I have no friends on my Facebook account, so no one sees anything that I listen to. Oh. I want to know what I, you listen to. Wait, there, there's I'll, no I'll be your friend. there's no value. Probably a lot of noise. They go, no, I think he listens to metal. Facebook goes, wow, this guy has no friends, and he's sharing his music. This guy's wasting his time. I guess. Uh, this isn't a joke. This is this is reality. <laughs> the documents show that as of 2017, Facebook was able to get people's names and emails by Facebook friends, a practice which Facebook said they put it into. I said that already. Um, yeah. So Facebook's been in Oh, that's not true. House. I'm actually friends with a Facebook account. That's my cat. Oh, there you go. Do you post? Does your cat post on Facebook? No. The cat doesn't want to oh. post on Facebook. He's too cool. Okay. Well. Uh, why don't <laughs> I thought I stopped that. This is why, what happens when you don't do a show every week. Is like the like look you, my, get, you get look rusty? at this like it's already like the you look, you the, look the mixer is moving the fader back down oh now now that you're looking at it it's like, something is going on I'm waiting for this to to die you know what? I'm gonna save it right now can I run no you know what <laughs> but you're go already, you're go already broke go run to I didn't break go go oh. that's fine bye Wayne. I'm ple- please come back. That's fine. Uh, because you know what? In lieu of that, why don't we take a quick break? Say, friends, do you live in New York City? Well, if you do, Pneumonium has a beautiful new product for you. It's called Where Am I? Your five-borough compass navigator to help you get anywhere from Staten Island to the Bronx. Simply go to www.whereami.nyc and enable location services on your mobile device to find the closest neighborhood, borough, and free subway stops to you, wherever you are. No ads, no tracking, just geospatial brilliance. That's Where Am I? Brought to you by Pneumonium. Pneumonium, reinventing media daily. How do you summon so much vocal energy? Like, that? there's a lot of energy there, Eric. I know, that's why people keep telling me I'm Where, loud. Where's it coming from? Well, uh, my life oscillates between, because um, I have asthma, it oscillates between me not being able to breathe, and and then they say, oh, you're a lot quieter today. And then when I can breathe, they complain I'm too loud. And I'm like, but now I can breathe! There's air in my lungs! Isn't that nice? It's, I, like, I get energy just by the fact that I can project, and I can, I can, I can say things, but I... So, if, if you could breathe all the time, do you think you would... I was, yeah. always, I was always loud. Yeah. I didn't have asthma until I was 24, somehow. I always had baby lungs. Was it because you moved to Brooklyn? Uh, I moved to Pittsburgh with cats, Ooh. and it was the cats. Um, I didn't know I was allergic to cats until I started living with them, and then it was very allergic to cats. Anyway, um, yeah, no, I, I just I have a lot of energy, and uh, I I have had like one cup of coffee today, 
that I need, I need this energy to allow me to build the media empire that I so dream for because it's so easy to just jerk off to porn on, on, on Instagram. <laughs> it's so much easier. And, and all of the content, that, all of the things that I've tried to do, over, especially over the last 10 years, uh, have been harder for other people, the people that I try to get involved with, been harder to work on that than just to jerk off and get high on Instagram, you know? And it's, it's very depressing. That's why I'm reading this book about uh, Disney, uh, because I'm very fascinated about Walt Disney and Steve Jobs, how they got other people to do the work for them, and then they put their name on it, and they got, took all the credit and the fame and the riches. I want to do that, but that it's a lot harder. Disney he, bought pencils for people. Yeah, that He's, doesn't work anymore. You can't do that now. He sold, he sold one cartoon, moved out to Hollywood, brought over, imported his friends, bought them art supplies, had hired teachers to, to tutor them every night, and then, and then they made cartoons for him. And he put his name on it. Now he's an effing genius. I would like that, but it's, it's much harder to do in this day and age, especially because A, people want to get paid first, and B, there's so many more distractions that are much more pleasurable to do than actually doing work on stuff. That might be why our generation has not produced as good music as those prior. Have you considered going to Chinatown, getting some kids? <laughs> what? People, what is he going to use them for? People need j jobs. I don't want to give the kids jobs. Oh. I don't have any jobs to get. I have to pay them. You, you oh, just, no, I don't. You kids. just said right. Disney employed all these artists. They, they bought pencils. Eric wants to buy people microphones. Oh. That, exactly. My goal is to buy people, mic male, male people even, microphones to get them on the show. Leo Laporte did it. Do you, do you think there's something out there that is it's kind of ripe for the picking in the same way that, you know, Disney bought, he bought pencils. There's, there's got to be some equivalent today. Well, it's, you know, I guess it's like people on startups that buy beer for their. Yeah, but. And then they keep startups. people coding five, 25 hours a day. Yeah, dangle the, uh, the equity. Yeah. yeah, dangle the equity carrot. I've, I've done that three times in the last 10 years. That's why I'm so depressed. <laughs> and that's why I can empathize with you, Wayne. With that very sullen look you have on your face. Staring off into the distance. Yeah, but I'm I'm depressed about other stuff. Not that. That kind of abuse is normal. That's happened everywhere. It just sucks that people take it and, and don't, you know, wake up. Um It's well most people don't have the option, right? Uh, that's the tougher part. It, or people don't know any better. Like my little brother does not This kid went to Columbia and he went to Stanford. He worked uh, for Boeing and worked for some other companies. He has a pretty good experience. Uh, he didn't know how much to ask. And I said, how, you should talk to independent recruiters who place people like you. They might have a good, better sense of the salary uh, that you're asking for. And he chose to ignore that completely and give a number that he now felt uncomfortable with. And he kept asking me what he could do. And this guy, he went to he went to two Ivy League schools. He has a master's, and he didn't know enough. He's making less money than a guy who's coding apps in his underwear. Is basically what he, you're saying. Yeah, he didn't know any better, and that's kind of the that's a lot. A lot of that is what you're, you're like talking about. People don't know any better. You have and people. There's enough. Of like this, 
it's in the best interest for businesses to not, you know, let people talk about their salaries and things like that for that purpose, because you have all this information that's not always available, or if you can know if you can trust it. That's true. But there are resources out there. I mean, you could, you could find yeah. what's comparable. But it, uh, yeah, but that glass, like Glassdoor, well, not even Glassdoor, just you know, trawling uh, Hacker News for those uh, right, yeah, salary posts. That's also tough, and because then trying no one... to end around recruiters because they get a significant percentage of your annual salary as commission. Right, but yeah. they're more likely to want to maximize how much you get because they get because a they get a big right. Yeah, and they also place enough people to at least tell you, like they're not going to tell you exactly how much you're worth. It, it's always going to be how much. They think will be uh, will make you be placed the fastest, right? But uh, you know, not. I mean, if you have if you have a decent uh, if you have some competition going, and you have you know if you especially if you get multiple offers or if you if you're dealing right. with a bunch of big companies, then they're then then they might be inclined to up the number rather than just trying to get you out the door. All right, uh, that's at least better than not. If you're working off Glassdoor or something else, that, right. that's not really time-weighted. That's the big part, right? <laughs> These salaries right now are always crazy, and uh, that information's always dated. They don't time-weight any of it. I don't know why. Interesting. You should, you should be an economist. No. <laughs> no. Okay. Straight up no. no <laughs> Moving right along. Um... All right, here's the thing. I'm pretty sure we've done over an hour, and we could taper it off here, or we could dig in to some code refactoring. We should talk about refactoring, but... Yeah? Let's do it. I like to talk about refactoring. Ah, you know, like, yeah, I'm rusty. It's exactly what this is. It's also because I have this soundboard that um, I, I had... When, I, when we started doing the show, I had a, the, right, the iPad Air, and much smaller... And so when I got this one, the Pro, I was expecting to have more screen space. It just zoomed the app, so now it's, everything's bigger. And I have the same number of buttons on a, on, in a column, and I still have to scroll. Anyway. I didn't listen to any of that. This app sucks. Uh, <laughs> I, I think you should just wear a coat that has buttons, and you just press them. There you go. We could solder it up for you. There you go. All right, let's talk about code refactoring. Oh, I still owe him headphones I need to solder. Oh yeah, that's right. I forgot about those. One of you. What ha what happened with the I headphones? I get these headphones that break every six months because it like but actually why? it's not, it's a problem that's been ironically worked around by the adapter I have to use, but it's because the I don't have the any, wiring's I mean, crap. It's the t yeah, it's where the wire goes into the TRS. You solder that, it's gonna break off quick. Well, it's already broken off pretty quick. It's gonna re-break. What yeah. do you do? Because the solder joint is is hard, so that's gonna. Well, that's, I mean, but they, so much, uh, maybe they didn't use joint. enough solder. Well, it depends where it is, right? If it's right where it connects to the jack, at least you can reinforce it. I have those yeah. heat shrink right. rubber tubes. You just put a couple layers on that. Have you seen the um, those NASA solder specs? No. Oh, no. you should check them out. They're pretty awesome. But they, they talk about how you reinforce the joints just with the wire itself first, and oh. then you can solder and yeah, then reinforce even more. Oh, wow. Huh. Kind of cool. That is kind of cool. But now we're talking about refactoring code. So when a man and a woman get together, sorry, when, whenever, when an application reaches maturity, uh, there's usually some kind of bloat that's in, in, uh, 
implicit in the build process, whether it's the result of a deadline or the result of, of, of things not being planned out beforehand or just kind of what happens. So you want to eventually refactor parts of these, parts of the app or the entire thing, uh, or, re or go scorched earth and rewrite it completely from scratch using more modern tools and more modern technology. What's interesting about deciding whether or not to refactor an application or a part, I guess it's first, is it the whole app or is it part of an app? But because JavaScript specifically and, all, and a lot of other tools are advancing at such a rapid pace that it might just be better to rewrite the app every 18 months. No. No? I think, I, no think this, I, I think the scorched earth approach is the immature approach. But then you're going to end up using libraries that go out of date. You're going to build this site on but a version of React that's right. deprecated. Re realistically, what's wrong with that? These things work, so why replace them? Yeah, rewriting is very problematic because you're making a decision to throw away everything we've learned. And there's no guarantee. 18 months, you depending upon your employee turnover, you might not have the same engineers. And... What happens if they make the same exact mistakes? They will make the same mistakes. Right, exactly. Yeah, like, but then you, you at least have it. where the mistakes were previously, so then you can avoid them. Well, no, you, you end up rewriting the same thing in the same way. Yeah, the engineers are going to go, wow, we have all these mistakes, and then let's start a rewrite, and then some of them leave, and then you do the same thing again, and then you go, wow, what a waste of time this was. Interesting. Maybe, oh. maybe you learn a new technology along the way, but that's not in the business's best interest. That's your own personal best yeah. interest, which should not be mixed with the business's best interest. Rewriting doesn't do too much in terms of your own technical ability. It's usually more interesting to try to refactor and rework things, uh, rework new technology without causing breakages while you're gracefully, you know, uh, moving over gradually. Yeah. There are some more interesting design design decisions and about refactoring, so it's reusable within, you know, these uh, the old library and the new library. I think that's a more interesting problem too. Yeah. It's it's definitely harder, but it's a better path to take. Yeah, because you have to consider when you're rewriting something, that is a feature freeze. Nothing's going to come out as you right. redo everything. Yeah, and then all that pressure mounts on you. Yeah. Well, in this, and re deciding to refactor an app, I think also closely relates to the concept concept of tech debt. Would you agree? As yeah. in, there's it's, a lot of, there's. I mean, it either can create or alleviate te tech debt. I, I think that refactoring something can be used as a solution to fix a few problems that have accumulated in a backlog. But the act of refactoring something is usually, especially in a large app, is a very tough effort. It's an immense effort. So that's going to, that might add to the tech debt uh, over time. Well, refactoring is something you always continuously do. I don't work on features or tickets without doing some refactoring. Well, you leave the campsite so cleaner than you as left you code. it. Right. It, or, well, when you it, found it, rather. And the um, more integral part of it is also having tests to make sure that if you do refactor something, it doesn't break. Ah, that's good. And So, so that goes back to the test-driven development. Yeah. Do you do, is that what you do? Do you do test-driven development? That's a religion. 
Yeah. All it, of these are, are religions. BDD, TDD, I mean, Agile. TDD is a tool, right? I mean, you don't need to... Well, it's a... And a well, you start 100%. by writing the test, and then you do, and then you end with the yeah, component that satisfies the test. Maybe you do that sometimes, but not all the time. You, you do it when it helps you. Yeah. There is... So, you need... You should do it because... You should do it at the start so you get an understanding of what you're doing in code that is more easily testable. If you don't ever do that and you try to write the code first then test afterwards, you're going to find yourself jerry-rigging a lot of things to get the tests to work. Exactly, yes. So That's when, one aspect. Yeah. yeah I, I wouldn't say always t use TDD, but you should use it to get an idea of how you should write code so in the future, it, when you do need to write tests, they, you can write them without having to jerry-rig all these mocks and things just to get it to work. Now let me ask you this, uh, there's an article that I've read about refactoring, uh, I mean in addition to obviously having done it myself, uh, and, and, and created something that desperately needs to be refactored, my PHP framework from 2014, the worst decision I made this decade, but that's another story. Some costs. Uh, <clears throat> uh, I mean, I still have a. I, I, anyway, uh, it's still on, it's still on the internet. It's still you know it's still being used. It's it's got a. I, anyway, um, have you heard of red green refactoring? One red. of the most widely used techniques for code refactoring is red green refactoring used in agile. Applying the red green refactor method, developers break refactoring down into three distinct steps. One, stop and consider what needs to be developed, which is red. Two, get the development process, uh, get the development to pass basic testing screen. Three, implement improvements or refactor. And uh, write just enough code to pass the test. Or, or I guess, okay, so write, you write a failing test, you write just enough code to pass the test, and then you refactor, and, and then you iterate. That doesn't make too much sense to me, does it? This is some... This agile process kind of thing. It's so, related to agile, but it's, yeah, it sounds it's, like it's a, also test-driven development, though. But this sounds like a code base that doesn't have any tests. Yeah, and now yeah. you realize you have to refactor it. So it's how much tests should you write so you could get some percentage guarantee that you're not going to break stuff. And that's really up to uh, the impact, right? So if there's core functionality that you know you can't break, then yes, of course you should write tests for it before you refactor it, because otherwise you don't know what's broken until it goes through a QA process or until it gets released. Right, especially if there's <laughs> la if there's if there's shallow testing, then it's probably going to get passed and then into production yep. before stuff hits the fan. Uh, how about refactoring by abstraction? It's a method used primarily when there's a large amount of refactoring to be done. Abstraction involves class inheritances, hierarchy, and extraction. Uh, the goal of abstraction is to reduce unnecessary duplications in software code as is refactoring. One example of this is the pull-up, push-down method. There are two opposite forms of refactoring in involving classes. The pull-up method you pulls sorry, I can't see this The pull-up method pulls code parts into a superclass in order to eliminate code duplication. Push-down takes it from a superclass and moves it down into subclasses. I think the push-down method is probably better since you end up with more discrete components and you end up with more discrete classes and, or models or whatever they are, rather than a giant superclass that does everything. That whole area of inheritance is really dangerous. Yeah.
What yeah. do you mean? Uh, whether or not to pull up or pull down code, you shouldn't be asking well, I, that. It's uh, what well, is this you, code? Okay, hold on. If you have, but if you if you have uh, an abstract class that does something basic, and then you end up and you end up rewriting basically the same method in the subclasses, that's the abstract method. Uh, you might as well pull that into the class because it looks like all of its children will be using that method in the same way. That is a refactoring there, there, by abstraction exercise that would work, I think. There, there are some cases of that. It's like in the PHP framework I wrote, but all the, by myself. That's why I had to. It's how many stars on GitHub does it have? Uh, can you have negative stars? Oh, I don't know. Yeah, let's, let's, negative max. Image. Let's make it happen. Uh, I think the. I just think, give me help. I just need. Help. <laughs> yeah, the. I think the dangerous part is just trying to figure out what is actually relevant to the parent class that should be refactored up, or if it's just. You know, if these are just helper functions that need to be refactored out, you don't need to refactor it up. You should part well, it I out think, instead. Well, I think refactoring by abstraction kind of is not talking about helpers. It's talking more about the core components and or, you know, or factories or models or controllers or whatever you have yeah. in the app rather than a helper method. It, that's, yeah, that's really, that's a tough call. It really depends on the requirements a lot at the time. Right. Well, like, would it be worth it to refactor something that works in Redux Thunk to use Redux Sagas? Probably not. You'd need some other reason. You couldn't... Other than, oh, it's new, so we should yeah. just do it this way. I mean, and then, then, then you're ending up with framework churn and, and yeah. people getting burned Yeah, but that's already out. a huge problem. But, yeah, you, but don't, don't make it worse. Right. So don't in, buy into it. In your example of classes, I would never refactor that core logic until I needed to add so another class another child class and then i looked at everything else and I went oh it's this is exactly the same that's when i might do it uh, it's kind of under the you know the yagni uh, aspect you're not gonna the need what it. i'm sorry the yagni you're not gonna need you it ain't, you ain't gonna need it yeah you, you ain't, ain't gonna, gonna need it uh, you have to be really careful about things like that because there are a lot of us there are so many times where people have abstracted things and you've never needed to do it again so you've just done it prematurely and you're just creating complexity yeah and it makes the flow a lot more disjarring to read it's there's a balance there though right i mean yeah. you could go well there's a balance and i mean just generally when developing an application the yeah. whole the whole end of the application is about the, the balance in all of the decisions that have been made whether they, all of the make buy refactor create decisions all um here's another method you can refactor by composition and involve streamlining the code in order to reduce duplication. So that's the whole point of refactor. This is done through various processes, including extraction and inline methods. Extraction involves breaking down the code into smaller chunks in order to find the extract or find an extract fragment. What? Yeah, this is Who just fragmented this code is this then is, moved to a separate method yeah. and replaced with a call to this new method. In addition to the method, extraction can involve class, interface, or local yeah, variables. Yeah, they're just talking about having behavior be a part of member variables using maybe like a, there's a design pattern called the strategy pattern where behaviors can be changed based upon what is a member of that class. So let's say if I'm uh, a person and my action is to roll, right? Uh, I could put on that person a member, which is a dice, or I could put a ball or something that rolls. Right, it's more about an interface that that uh, uh, is fulfilled. It's not behavior changes based upon what I give it 
give the constructor. Does that make sense? No. No? But I also think that extraction <laughs> is just breaking the function down yeah. into a smaller function. Well, it's it's breaking behavior that so it can be done interchangeably and you use interfaces as a way to do it. What's that. the difference between behavior-driven development and test-driven development other than the obvious? You know, one test behaviors, one test tests. Like, what is the real difference? It's like philosophically. For me, it's more linguistic. I'd rather do behavior-driven development than write tests to make sure that the behaviors work. Behaviors can be defined for a component before it's made, and then you make the component to respond to do the behaviors, and then you can test it. I'd rather that way than writing the test first, and then because then you'll end up having to constantly massage both. Writing the tests is good for. I'm not saying don't write tests. Defining not what doing the, it first. Defining what the API is and seeing how usable it is too yeah there's a lot of nuance here too because if we're talking about classes uh if we're talking about being able to test uh functions that are private or protected right then test-driven development takes on a different meaning because people might just write tests for very small components of behavior whereas behavior driven development is more of a you're describing it in a macro sense in terms of behavior, what your overall components expected to do. Hmm. Um, it's for me, it's more link. Like it's always going to be uh, test-driven development. Is I will test this. This particular function should be doing this one thing. A unit test. Yeah, right. as a po uh, like a unit test. And whereas behaviorally, I would say this thing should return you know these positive numbers. I'm really I really care about the public contracts that are established. Huh. Have you guys heard about mutation testing? No, what's that? Is that involved in Ninja Turtles? Or X-Men? Damn it! I think uh, you, you take the test that you have and you, you mutate the conditions unexpectedly. Or no, you, you mutate the code unexpectedly. Is that or like, like uh, testing fuzzing like, or something? I guess... To get a failure? Yeah, to yeah. get a failure. Like, uh, I guess it's useful for, for boundaries of things. Yeah. Testing boundaries, you know? I'm, yeah, that's like for, that's like having formally verifiable, verifiable testing, right? Where, where you know that it's mathematically impossible to take a set of inputs or to act under a certain way. Provably correct. Yeah, provably correct. Um, that that's yeah, that's a, a lot of work. The mutation testing is generally something you should kind of do anyway because when you're writing tests, can you give an example? Of, I, of I can't. Can't? No. Well, we're gonna have to. We're gonna like have to look one up. Yeah. Well, even if you write factory. a test, uh, you should try to get it to fail first because there, one, the testing frameworks you use might not give you the behavior you think it does. Uh, I've seen a lot of cases where, uh, especially, so let's say even PHP. Um, not PHP. People think uh, the assert same and assert equals. They're like. They use it. They use assert equals because it it sounds correct, but what they really want is assert same, which Be means uh, so assert equals does a double equals comparison, whereas and same is a triple. Where yes, and same does the triple, the deep the equals. Do you think it's time that we have a quadruple equal sign? Uh, for what? What would that? I mean, you know, they, they they didn't used to have triple equals like in the early. No, just just over, overload what equals means. Yo, well, it has How to, do you? I, you know, that's some that's a concept I never got into in in the. Well, in, I have to check I, because I of coercion. How do you overload operators? It's a a language enabled thing. Yeah, that's a very uh, yeah. Like, look, very at, 
You have to do that and like you have to like break into assembly or something. No, like Haskell offers the ability. Well, I think C That's offers that Scala. ability too, right? Yeah. 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 But how do you? C++ I just have no yeah. idea how you do. Anyway, uh, getting off track. Um, there's all there's preparatory refactoring, which is uh, it's done whenever a developer notices the need for refactoring while adding a new feature. So it's actually part of a software update as opposed to a separate refactoring yeah. process as in refactor while you code. That's what you mentioned earlier. The most common scenario. I mean, that's the easiest way. So realistically, you're not going to be able to tell your project manager or your boss, hey, this code is horrible. I need to refactor it. And they're going to go, well, what do we get out of it? And you're going to go... It looks exactly the same, and it's going to take me my, three months to my do My life it. might be easier. Um, I might screw up, and it might blow up things. I don't really know, but I know this code is horrible. That's not going to really work. You're, that's where refactoring to add a feature, uh, this preparatory refactoring, really helps. Because you can always go, this is going to take a bit longer, but I'm also cleaning this code up for everyone else, so it's better documented because we recently worked on it. Ah, I just found the, uh, there's a catalog of refactoring methods at refactoring.com, believe it or not. And it has a lot of things. Change function declaration, change reference to value, change value to reference, collapse hierarchy, combine functions in the class, and so on. And accounting. Uh... And it gives, and if you click on it, it'll give you an example of, of the before and after. That's actually pretty cool. These Replace are... error code with exception. That's nice. Refactoring.com. Yeah, Re refactoring is a really delicate process. If, yeah, like, I, I it's think, basically surgery of code. I think you Keith, you've probably seen it where John Carmack goes over some code, and in the case where where uh, they talk about. Uh, there's like a certain line of C++ in the engine code and that uh, you're not so where a person refactored it but because it's pretty complex code um, they're better off just leaving it there I, I don't know if you've seen that I, I'm not it's, well, that's not, a, it's that's, not ringing a bell it's but a decision it's, on whether to refactor or not you're saying yes there are some cases where you're, you, you're, yeah. you're doing more harm than you're doing good right, right. if yeah. it ain't broke don't fix it or Yagni. I like Yagni. That's good. You're not gonna need it, kiddo. Uh, there are times when an application needs to be completely revamped. How do you identify that? How do you say, okay, you know what? Let's 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 tie it off and start from scratch because this ain't working. That is a really hard question. And, it, and I know it involves a lot of stakeholders and business people and a lot of people to understand, especially non-technical business people, to understand the amount, the monetary and time investment that it takes to end up with an app that basically looks exactly the same, but it, it's a lot, it probably works a lot better internally, and it's a lot easier to develop on. So the benefits that they would see from this kind of investment, the return would happen much later, but it would eventually be realized unless the refactoring wasn't done properly or there was some kind of disruptive technology that happened. There are some yeah. easy qualifiers though. If you Like if you wrote it, sorry. Well, yeah, yeah. Perfect. If there are multiple groups of developers doing things redundantly and they don't have to, where a rewrite might be advantageous, so only one group has to write it once, uh, that is definitely a case that makes a lot of sense. Um, and then two, when you have to hit a certain level of scale and you've really reached the maximum of what your design can reach. 
and ah, you have and you have the business justification where oh we're continuing to grow at this pace uh not we've blown up and we need to rewrite immediately because you're usually screwed there but if you see that you're continuing to grow and you've you're going to hit some technical problems that's when you need to rewrite you don't have a choice i got you well okay. uh, security might be another oh that's yes reason. yeah Especially, like, you have to, if uh, some multinational bureaucratic agency levies a very complex uh, set of restrictions on you and this app that already exists, like the EU and GDPR, I how the EU continually shakes down U.S. I, tech companies for money because they don't have any. Well, uh, how's Equifax doing? They're still around, right? Of course. So, they got an, they, was, didn't, they was, didn't even get a slap on the wrist. That was a big stink for a week, and then it went away. Yeah, so... Uh, yeah, because and, they had the credit card numbers in, of all of the people who run media. And and I know the particular bug they had. The bug they had was a struts, a Java struts framework uh, remote uh, vulnerability. And all they had to do was upgrade the struts framework. So that's... was also their passwords were stored in plain text. Well... Yes, once you got... So the Struts framework, I actually used this vulnerability to test um, because <laughs> someone published on GitHub just this code and all, all you would do, you would run it against a server and it once you open... Once it runs, it just opens a shell and then you can do whatever you want as the user running that uh, Java server. Wow. That's hot. I, yeah. What about all the sandboxing that's in Java? Like, how does that... Well, how does it get through that? In this case, is it like a native shell for whatever OS it's running on, like yeah. a Solaris, I guess. Or so they would be running uh, a web server like Tomcat to serve that Java, and the user that is serving that uh, that would be the permissions that you have. And well, what kind of shell do you get? Like, is it the like like I said, is it the shell that you get from like the operating system, the host operating it, it system? It depends itself? how. It depends what is given in per, in the Linux permissions for that user. Um, in this case, you don't have to really give a shell. You can still run commands. Okay. And yeah, so in Equifax's case, they did, they didn't even do the bare minimum, and they're still around. So I don't know about security anymore. Well, they're too big to fail, unfortunately. I don't know anymore. I don't know if it's worth it anymore. No. Uh, here are some last best practices for code refactoring. Refactor first before adding new features. What do you think about that? Refactor first? Before adding any new features, it's always a good idea to perform refactoring whether you're asked to add new features or updates to an existing solution. Like it all depends. Yeah, I wouldn't yeah, refactor for variable. the purpose of refactoring. Yeah. It should yeah. never be something strict. Usually when you're working within a code base, you, you, get, you have a good sense of what needs to be refactored. You see the technical debt and deal with the things you have to deal with on a general basis that you put off. Right, right. Um, of course, plan refactoring and timeline carefully. Test often and get the, uh, get the QA team involved. Focus on progress, not perfection, unless, of course, you're doing TDD. Then you pretty much have to focus on perfection, right? Your tests have to pass. Uh, try refactoring automation. Uh, automating some or all of the refactoring processes is something that I really am not comfortable with, so I will not endorse it. I don't like, I don't like that. Wait, what does that mean? Real I guess that there's like, if you know, like how you run a linter and there's an option to fix the linting issues for you. It's, I'm sure it's like that, but with refactoring, like it can tell some kind of pattern that you're in and say, oh, it should be like this. Oh, I don't like that because the, I think that the heuristics on those aren't as good as they think they are. 
yes, it's it's hard to say. I think something is required, but it needs to be uh, generally agreed upon, and that's going to be the hard part. Um, and a lot of people will need to live with some things that they don't like. Yeah, but well, that's I mean that's that's just what happens when you work on a team, right? Yeah. Uh, and by the way, it looks like IntelliJ has automated refactoring, so you might want to take a look at that. Their oh. refactoring support is actually pretty good. Like I was a, yeah, I pretty much just use Vim. But does that have automated refactoring? It does. Plugin? It does not. I've got everything but that. That is the okay. one thing that IntelliJ can do for me that I can't get anywhere else. Well, gotcha. Yeah, their their refactoring tools are quite nice. Yeah. But in turn, yeah. Maybe that's what I should do with my PHP framework. Just hit refactor. It's, click it's, oh, refactor. Just, yeah. Refactor. Save and that and upload. That's it. Yeah. That'll save me months of work. I have. I didn't think about memory management. I, that's like number number zero of the problems. Number zero of the problems with my framework is I didn't properly think about memory management or handling a large number of, of models or objects at a single time. Well, so when you do that, the system just kind of bloats and it dies. Yeah, well, Laravel does the same thing. It's very bloated. And because how PHP works, you're doing this boot every on every request. Right, That's so I kind should cache of, some of the models and some of the yeah, database objects. Yeah, the, the natural help. things to do is, yeah, you start to, one, you, count, uh, you cache the routes because uh, the routes don't need to be updated more than you know once. Well, the routes are all in a database. Okay, well, you shouldn't be pulling that database every time then because those routes are not going to change often. Right. Um, then you also have, yeah, the code that because of how PHP does auto-loading, you also want to make sure that it doesn't have to pull uh, a large amount of files every time you Which do a request. Which is exactly what it's doing. Yeah. If you I really love the auto-loading feature because I don't because I have a semantic way of naming the classes, so then you right. can just type them in. Right. Well, what Laravel will do is that it'll condense a lot of the common code that boot that is always available. So Composer only has to load one file instead of multiple files because that file access still costs you time. Right. And you're using Composer for PHP, which. Oh. You have more issues than that. Yeah, how are you managing your dependencies? No dependencies. Oh, this might be framework. like, oh, yeah, this is P PHP 4, like, dirty dog no, stuff. No, this is PHP 5 <laughs> dirty dog what? stuff. 5, 6, excuse you. Anyway, yeah. all right, well, why don't we have a nice funny story about a, uh, a, a manic mom who has found a 21st century way to keep track of her kids. Uh, she has three teenage sons. The eldest is 19, and two twins who are 15. And uh, basically, her paranoia uh, allowed... Oh, what is it? How do I say this? Um, her kids asked for Spotify, and she didn't want to pay for it, until she found out that she could track their location all the time as if, she, if, they, if she bought Spotify and enabled parental controls. And so that's what she did. And uh, she gives an example. Twin number one is at a pool hall somewhere near Central Station. I have no idea where this is. Oh, this is Australia. But, oh, wait, the green dot just refreshed. Now he's moved across the road. He's probably oh. at the bus. Go get a hobby. Jesus Christ. Why is this a feature in Spotify? Well, I, I, well, I know part of it is being able to remote play. I don't know. But I don't, yeah, I don't really know why. I did the Spotify thing and then asked them to hit the share my location button on their phones. Oh, oh on their iPhones oh. permanently. Well, kudos okay. to that mom. That mom is really smart. So it's not actually she's, Spotify that's doing it. bringing helicoptering it's to a, a new level. It, and this isn't helicoptering, it's drone parenting. 
That's, <laughs> that's what this is. And and I mean, okay, so she got them Spotify, but then made sure they had like Find My iPhone always on. Okay. So it's not actually about Spotify. I thought this was, but it's actually not. I, I, Those kids gave the, up their privacy to their own mother. So now she for music. So well, then they could be at a party, and then she'll know that where they are, and she'll get them, send them a text. Do you want a lift? No, I'll just get the bus. And then she wonders why wouldn't he want a lift? Then then he asks to stay at his friend's house. I say yes, but curse myself for not having built up my spy network amongst his friend's mother. <laughs> it, it's better for those she children to learn goals. now. Second but, order of weirdness: eleventh hour sleepovers. Did she not have friends growing up? Like. This is not. pretty standard stuff. You're not a incel. I don't know what happens in Australia. So yeah, a, a lot of it's like it's like uh it's it's I, like Florida. You know, I, I thought most of them are fighting and scary things. Yeah, and a, lot of, a lot of bogans. It, they get to evolve. That's one thing I love about winter is that it kills all the bugs. But you know, anyway, um, that's basically it. This story is also very long. Needlessly, uh, that mom's yeah. smart. And is she smart? She's also she teaching her children to have a, anxiety a lesson. attacks. They, well, they're going to give up their privacy when they're adults anyway for any service they want. So she's teaching her kids she's, to be okay with giving up their them. privacy. Yeah. It's the rather inevitable. than teaching them the value of retaining they're your well, privacy, just like retaining your virginity. At, at least in this case, she explicitly made them turn on this feature. You know, yeah, it's a quid other, pro quo. Other services aren't even going to give you that explicit uh, uh, th that you're giving up this privacy. Isn't there a way in Google Maps though to find where the phone is? If you have an Android phone, yeah, it shows everywhere I've went, right. and so, so it always shows two data points throughout the year because I only go to two places. You don't you your don't, house and and and, and, and work. You don't yeah. go to restaurants or shows or anything. No, sometimes it goes to this alleyway where I. Lay down to cry. So I guess three data points. But that one's like really grayed out because it's infrequent. Just on special occasions. Yeah. Okay, well, I believe we've reached the end of this pull request. So, uh, Wayne, do you approve this week's pull request? Yeah, I guess. Keith, how about you? Uh, I'm probably going to have about 30 comments, but, uh, you know, once what, we get through them. Okay. So... Yeah. Maybe oh, then I'll approve. May, okay, maybe later. I hope I hope I do a good job. Uh, how about you, our wonderful studio audience? Yes. Ah! What the? Okay. <laughs> with that, well, let's all with that. Let's let's all hit merge, and we'll see you next week, hopefully, right here on Polar Request. Oh wait, next week's Christmas. No, two weeks. We'll see you next year on Polar Request. This has been a Pneumonium production. The views and opinions expressed on Pull Request do not necessarily reflect those of Pneumonium LLC or its subsidiaries. This week's theme music provided by Wolfpack. Visit them at vulfpeck.com.